Assalamu alaikum guys and welcome back to another episode of Yours Truly. Um, today we are going to be speaking about Ramadan, um, preparation for Ramadan and how to benefit the most from Ramadan inshallah. And we have an amazing guest on but before I mention or introduce the guest or the guest introduce herself shall I say, I just want to quickly shout out eatparty.co.uk they are a um, a Muslim brand, uh, a Muslim decoration brand for Eid and Ramadan. And they do some amazing, amazing decorations. Allahumma um, barik. For those of you who do follow me on Instagram, you must have seen my story of unboxing their goods. Uh, they're my go-to every year. I've gone to them for like three years now. And they always have amazing stuff. And they're always... Um, bringing new collections in so definitely do check them out inshallah but we'll get more into that a little bit later into the podcast bidnillah. anyways so my dear sister would you like to introduce yourself Nadira Jazakillahu khayran um, my name is Nadira Abdurrahman uh, some of you may know me as Diary of Niqabi on Instagram um, I, I study the deen from whatever Allah gives me tawfiq and I teach from whatever little knowledge that Allah has bestowed upon me. Jazakillah khairan amina for having me again on this lovely podcast. I really, really love what you do and all the guests that you bring. You're benefiting us from all aspects. Jazakillah khairan once again. Barakallahu Honestly, it's an honor to have you on. If I could have you on every episode, I would. <laughs> I absolutely love what you put out there, Allahumma barik. And I just think you're an amazing sister as well as teacher, Allahumma barik. So I, like I said, again, it's an honor to have you on here, inshallah. And I know you're going to bless us with those gems, just like you did in the last episode that we did together, inshallah. Um, so yeah, I guess without further ado, let's get into the podcast. So like I said, it's going to be about Ramadan. Ramadan is actually very, very close, subhanAllah. So um, a lot of people would have prepared and there may be some people who haven't prepared themselves. So I thought it would be very beneficial to just speak about preparing for Ramadan and tips and advice or tricks, you know, on how to benefit the most from Ramadan. Um, so so what, what is your thoughts on preparing for Ramadan and, you know, trying to benefit the most on it, Nadira? أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله أما بعد Ramadan is not a month that needs an introduction we've been hearing about Ramadan since we're young the month of Ramadan we experience it every year and the benefits of Ramadan you're going to be able to see everywhere why you should take advantage of this month why this month is worthy of all of your efforts it's right there we know this is the month that Allah Azzawajal has chained the shaitan there's no shaitan the doors of Jannah are open the, do- the doors of the hellfire are closed this is a month where Allah will be freeing thousands and thousands of people who were initially destined for the hellfire he's going to be freeing them from the hellfire and I ask Allah Azzawajal to make us from those who take advantage of all of these benefits so because of these benefits and everyone hearing about these benefits Ramadan just becomes that month that everyone wants to take advantage of this month I am going to stop listening to music I'm going to listen to more Quran I'm going to listen to Anashid instead stop this is the month where I'm going to stop smoking if it is this is the month that I'm going to end my haram relationship this is the month this is the month this is the month and this is good this is very very good that we see the opportunity of change in this ramadan but sometimes i feel like we see it as that 
we see it as the month of worship when and the person who just sees Ramadan as a month where they pose all of these bad habits mm. the month of worship it actually becomes restricting and that person actually then has lost on the main purpose of Ramadan Ramadan is not a month where Allah Azza wa is asking you to pose all of your bad habits and all of the haram you're doing mm -hmm. this is a month that Allah Azza wa brings to us after 11 months of struggling after uh, after we reach a point where we need to rejuvenate our iman mm -hmm. not so that we can have a month of worship or a month of reconnecting to Allah Azza wa but rather so that we can train for a lifetime or maybe another 11 months of worship. Mm, definitely, 100% agree. It's training process. And I feel like we just focus on connecting with Allah this month. This month mm. is where I'm going to do, but that is not the purpose. This is a month where Allah Azza wa has told us to refrain from even the mubahat things that were permissible not only permissible things that were our bodies need things mm. like food and drink yeah. why is Allah doing that in order for him to show us that you are able to refrain your nafs even from the things that bring it benefit even from the things that it needs how about refraining from the haram that actually brings you harm won't you be able to even refrain from that even more Definitely, definitely. So you realize and you discipline your nafs and you realize this power, this innate power that Allah had created within you. And the reason why Allah wants you to realize this is in order for you to have the needed and necessary training to continue doing this for the other 11 months that are coming. And the, and the salaf, a way that they say to know if the month is an accepted, if your Ramadan has been accepted, mm -hmm. is depending on what you do after Ramadan. Yes. Do you yes. continue with the worship or not? That's a way of knowing. So if everything you stopped were restricted just to Ramadan and immediately on Eid, we don't even go very far. How many, how many haram do we see on Eid right after mm, Ramadan? That's so true. It's very, very if, sad to be honest, but may Allah guide us all, I mean, and protect us. Exactly. So if you, if you immediately go back to haram after Ramadan asks yourself, this is worrying. Does this mean that my Ramadan was not, was not accepted? Does this mean I do not take advantage of any benefit that was within Ramadan? So what I'm saying right now is all these goals that you are making, let them not be restricted before we go into the tips and the tricks mm -hmm. and how to prepare yourself. First, change your perspective of Ramadan from a month of worship to a month of training yourself for a lifetime of worship. Mm, that's a very, and very beautiful way to put it. And all the goals that you have placed down, make sure that you plan to mm. continue performing them even after Ramadan ends. The tahajjud, the consistent fasting of the of sunan after Ramadan. It's not just Ramadan. The, the salawat, the sunan that you are, and the nawafil that you are performing after your salawat, all of these things, make sure the Quran that you're reciting, make sure that you plan on continuing them even after Ramadan because that is when the preparation now will be of actual true benefit. Definitely. I think that's a very insightful way um, for you to put it, actually, subhanAllah. Um, I don't think it's ever been said, you know, to Allah Alam, I've never heard that way of thinking of Ramadan is, you know, you're, you're, you're training yourself for 
a lifetime of ibadah subhanallah i feel like ramadan is always like you said it's like a quick fix my iman is low ramadan is a quick fix ramadan is a quick fix to get your iman higher to do all these different ibadat and um acts of worship to allah and then the minute ramadan is finished and aid is here like you said you know we see subhanallah unfortunately people on the first day sinning and committing things that they shouldn't be committing it's very very sad and like you said it's uh it's it's all about our mindset you know we need to really dig deep within our souls and our minds and try and really understand what is the meaning of ramadan and why do we have ramadan and how to benefit the most from it so it can be something that we benefit from all year round rather than just for that one month like you said you know if our acts are not accepted and we um you know continue doing the khair that we've done during ramadan then we need to ponder like you said does that mean that our ramadan was accepted were we truly sincere in the things that we were doing we ask Allah to accept it from us and to Ameen, grant us Rabb. the tawfiq. Ameen, ya Ameen. Ah, that's a very, you know, what you've just said is very deep and it's just made me really ponder upon how important it is to make sure that we understand what we're doing as we go into Ramadan. Um, May Allah, may Allah grant us the tools, inshallah, and aid us to be able to benefit and please him throughout Ramadan and beyond, inshallah. I mean, so one thing I feel like um, before this probably may be a, a tip already, but one thing I just wanted to speak about um, is how I think that um, I know this is definitely something that I do, which is when Ramadan comes around, I think that we or I put on myself. I'll just use myself as an example, but I know there's a lot of other people who can relate to this is um, I put on myself a lot of goals and a lot of things I want to achieve. And sometimes they just are not realistic for me. Um, I seem to keep forgetting that I'm a mother and, um, you know, I'm a wife and I have a household to take care of. And I try to focus so much on doing things that may not be as easily um, achieved or accomplished for me. Um, so I end up burdening myself or putting too much on me, which then uh, while I'm in Ramadan, I end up, you know, realizing and coming to the realization that this is too much. I'm overwhelmed with it. And then I end up giving up most of it because I'm like, I can't do this. And I think it's I've started to realize now that instead of overwhelming myself with too many goals and too many things that may not be realistic for me, try to set realistic goals. And the main thing is that I stay consistent in them so it's going back to what you said in the beginning you know making sure that we continue what we do throughout Ramadan so I think this year for myself inshallah and this Ramadan I'm going to try to set realistic goals and goals that I can achieve while being a mother and a wife and tending to a husband and children um that I can continue throughout the rest of the year as opposed to trying to do so many different things and then coming out of Ramadan with nothing and continuing with nothing Exactly. You know, uh, a lot of people suffer from that I, mm. and struggle with that. And this comes from the narrow understanding of what ibadah is. Yes, we have had this conversation when, before and I'm so glad yes. you brought that up, subhanAllah, because it was, it's actually yes. a point that when, you, when we spoke about it, I said, oh, I, we need to somehow get this on the podcast or I need people to hear this. Because when you said it, something in my mind clicked. And it was like, oh, my God, she's so right. Why have I never seen it from this perspective? So definitely go ahead. You have the mic. <laughs> <laughs> this 
comes from the narrow understanding of ibadah and this is why it's important to have knowledge mm. you know the ulama when they when they actually encourage and emphasize so much on knowledge you understand the benefits when you are found in a situation where you think you're stuck but islam has a good answer for you so ibadah as Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah puts it, is kullu ma yuhibbuhu allahu wa yirbah. It is everything that Allah Azza wa Jal loves and is pleased with. But somehow we have restricted the definition of ibadah to salah, psalm, reciting Quran and doing these other great ibadat as well. However, for the person who truly understand this and for the intelligent muslim who has internalized this this definition makes them see an opportunity in everything that they are doing an opportunity to worship allah in everything that they are doing from cleaning the house to feeding mm. the children to helping someone outside all of that they will see an opportunity in turning it into an ibadah because they understand that ibadah is everything that Allah loves. So me tending to my house is something that Allah Azza wa Jal loves. Me raising my children to be those who will serve Allah Azza wa Jal in the future is something that is that is beloved to Allah Azza wa Jal. Me cooking for my family and feeding them is something that is beloved to Allah Azza wa Jal. Just as salah, psalm and reciting the Quran is beloved to Allah Azza wa Jal. And the ulama from the hadith of the Prophet Indeed, with uh, from uh, actions are uh, by their intention. They mm. have de derived um, a, a principle from there, which is al-amal I believe, if I'm saying correct, mm -hmm. which means every action is through the intention and this is where they give the examples that there are two people who might be living the same life but one is taking advantage of it by turning it into a way of collecting rewards and ibadah and the other person is just and they're doing the same thing they have a person might be eating Mm -hmm. Another person might be eating. One is getting rewarded for that. The other one is not. A person will mm -hmm. go to sleep. The other person will go to sleep. One will get rewarded for it. The other one will not. Why? Because of the intention. This person is making the intention. So connecting your intention to Allah as Zawjal, whatever it is. And when you think about you, you can always find a way to connect everything you're doing to Allah as Zawjal, will automatically turn it into reward. I'm eating this food in order for me to give my body the necessary energy for it to worship Allah. Mm -hmm. I am sleeping in order for my body to collect the necessary energy to worship Allah and to wake up for Fajr. That person will be rewarded throughout that six hours, five hours that they're sleeping, throughout the eating. So when you are putting it down and you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to be able to take advantage of Ramadan because... Um, because uh, I'm, I won't have the time to read this amount of Quran. And then you're constantly comparing yourself to mm. someone who is not in that is again, comparison is poison. Mm, definitely. We constantly, there's this statement. I completely dislike this statement that people say is you have the same 24 hours as so-and-so. You have the same 24 hours as this person who is this successful. Mm -hmm. Yes, we all have the same 24 hours, but we do not all have the same opportunities, the same privileges and the same advantages. 
we're not all in the same situation though it's so it's not fair so when you're constantly comparing yourself to another sister who might not have as much responsibility who for example might not be married who for example is maybe living on her own and then you are raising a family obviously that would be very very unfair on you and it doesn't mean that now you are lesser or you don't have as much of an opportunity no you just have to find an intelligent way of making everything you do in a worship so you cooking iftar yes mm -hmm. you make the intention that ya allah i am cooking this in order for me to provide something for the people who are fasting for your sake we know the ajr of fast of, of helping someone break their fast ya allah i am early i'm waking up this early in order for me to educate my children to be obedient slaves to you ya allah ya allah i am taking this time to rest in order for me to collect necessary energy to worship you more. Now in that aspect, from morning till night, you are in a state of worship and taking advantage and getting closer to Allah Azza wa Beginning of the day till the night. So if you really understand the term ibadah and you really understand this principle that has been given to you, you will know that every second that you take you have the opportunity and the ability to strengthen your relationship with Allah and to be in a state of ibadah. If only you are aware and if only you are willing to take advantage of it. I, I, so Allahumma barik. I 100% agree with everything you've said. Um, go on, continue on what you was going to say and then I, I just want to add something in there. Yeah, I just wanted to say, so never think that you're doing any less Never mm. think that because that is a situation Allah chose for you. That is yes. the situation that Allah wants you to be in. Mm -hmm. So say, be happy with the situation that Allah has placed you in and think of how you are able to take advantage of it. That's it. Definitely. That's a beautiful mindset to have. And I think, um, so firstly, I wanted to, to comment on when you said, um, you know, to make the intention, you can make a, you can make the intention for anything and it can turn into a form of ibadah and something that Allah is pleased with. And I think that's a very beautiful way to start because, again, it goes back to linking it to, you know, the continuation of these good deeds because once Ramadan is finished, you can continue to do that with your everyday life. Um, you know, you can continue to seek reward from Allah in your daily chores as a mother, or as a wife or as a woman or, you know, as, you know, as a brother, if, if there are men that listen to this, uh, as a provider, as a husband, as, as a, a father. Um, so definitely, I think that we can take from that is, you know, continue to try to take advantage of the things that you're doing during your day, whether that's sleeping, eating, um, helping somebody out. As long as you have the correct intention, inshallah, it's something that you can be in the less seek reward from for the rest of your life. Just make sure you have the intention. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to say was um, I see this a lot and I've only come to notice it more that since I have become a mother. And I see a lot of the time before Ramadan or during Ramadan, um, a lot of mothers that I follow or know of will, um, you know, I wouldn't say complain, but they would put up, you know, um, stories or they would share how they miss Ramadan before they were mothers or before they were married because it doesn't feel the same and they don't feel like they're getting the most out of it like they did. And I definitely can say that, you know, I've had moments where I felt like that and I felt, wow, before marriage and kids, I had so much time to do all these different acts of ibadah and now I'm, I'm tied up a lot of the time. Um, and I think it's really beautiful that you, you know, spoke to us about 
anything can be ibadah because it, inshallah I'm praying and hoping that it gives those those women or those brothers and sisters that may have something um, that is a huge responsibility for them that may stop them from performing ibadah a form of relief I'm hoping it gives them some form of relief and contentment knowing that even if they may not be able to do certain things that they could do prior to whatever it is that they're busy with they definitely can find reward somewhere. Like you said, it's about being happy with your situation and taking as much advantage as you can and being smart about it, you know. Um, like you said, not comparing yourself as well is something that's very, very important. I feel like we compare ourselves a lot, this generation, not just Muslims, but in general, this whole generation, everybody's constantly comparing each other. And, you know, a lot of things add into that and come, um, you know, add to that and, I do think that as Muslimin, we definitely, rather than comparing, we should be focusing on ourselves. Of course, it's good to look up to someone and get inspired, but when it becomes something that's toxic and it's making you feel bad and putting yourself down, then I definitely think it's something that's not healthy. So definitely, I think for this Ramadan, inshallah, do not compare yourself to other people's goals. Make goals that are specific and realistic for you because you are not that person. And as Sister Nadira said, everybody's situation is different. Regardless if we all have the same 24 hours, it doesn't matter because your 24 hours look very different to the next person's 24 hours. Everybody has different responsibilities and roles that they have to fulfill during their day-to-day that someone else may not have. So yeah, inshallah. I hope that brings you guys some comfort for those who um, may feel like they're missing out in Ramadan. Definitely know that you are not. Um, it's just that Allah has decided to bless you with getting reward in a different means to what somebody else is, inshallah. And that's beautiful that there's a variety of ways for us to gain reward. It's not just one one specific path. We can choose many paths. Um, so yeah, inshallah, that's really good. Subhanallah, that was a very good point. One thing I was thinking, though, throughout your saying is, you know how sisters who have children and are married and are out there thinking, oh, I missed Ramadan when it was before mm-hmm. I got married. The way this life is, I'm pretty sure there are sisters out there who are not married and thinking, wondering what it would be like to have their own family. Definitely. Ramadan, you can always spending it, always. Yeah. There's always, everyone is out there looking at the other person's life. Mm. And this is one of the greatest tricks of shaitan. From mm-hmm. the promises that shaitan made to Allah Azza wa Jal was, and you will not find majority of your creations to be grateful. So yes, the best way Allah. he could fulfill this promise was by making everyone, by showing the blessings of others to everyone and making them blind to their own blessings. Mm, subhanAllah, so what a beautiful way you put it. Everyone is looking at the other person's life and wondering and looking at not knowing that every situation has pros and cons. Mm. Every situation has advantages and disadvantages. So you are comparing your disadvantages to the advantages of that person's situation. And that person's situation is comparing their disadvantages to this person's advantages. And that is one way of making sure that majority of Allah's creation will not show gratitude to them, to him. And another thing is, it's like shaitan killing two birds with one stone. Mm. Because that again, in another verse, Allah says, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are mm, grateful, I am yes. truly going to increase, increase for you. you. Mm-hmm. And the, some of the ulama say, when you see, the, you do not see any increase in your life, this is where you know 
Allah made a promise. Allah mm. is definitely going to fulfill the promise. The reason why you're not seeing this promise in your life is because of a taqsir from you. So you ask mm. yourself, is it because I have been short in my showing gratitude to Allah Azza wa So this way, he has made you blind to your own blessings, which led to you being not as grateful to Allah Azza wa which led to you not taking the benefit of Allah increasing for you. Just, just by the fact of, just by the act of constantly looking at other people's blessings. Mm. So, inshallah ta'ala, it's very nice to have a, grat- a gratitude book where you yes. write down things that you're grateful for mm. in those moments because you need to fight back. You need to, you can't just be allowing shaitan to do whatever on your nafs. Every time you find yourself in that situation, you need to retaliate. And a gratitude book, this is how it helps you retaliate. You go and remember that these, this and this are my blessings. And perhaps that person I am admiring their life have things in their life that they are also struggling with. Mm. So Allah, this is the situation. These are the struggles that Allah felt like I am able to, to overcome. So I, these are the struggles I'm going to focus and my blessings, I'll continue being grateful to Allah for them. This is exactly why I love to bring you on, subhanAllah. You have such beautiful insight and you always bring things from a totally different perspective. Allahumma barak lak. Um, so that's actually a very good tip, actually, having a gratitude journal. Like you said, it's comparison is a very, very big issue worldwide now, subhanAllah. And it is the cause of many people's depression, subhanAllah, and anxiety. May Allah protect us and may Allah grant us gratitude and contentment. Ameen, Ya Rab. Um, and like you said, it's very important to also remind ourselves that whatever we see, may it be social media, may it be for a few seconds outside in the real world, you never know what is going on behind the scenes from, uh, in somebody's life, you know. No matter how how often you spend time with someone, you could spend all day with somebody, um, but you have no idea what they're going through when they go home, you know, at night. Allahu exactly. alam. You, you have no idea what people are going through. So please, sisters and brothers who are listening, don't compare your life. As Nadira said, be grateful for what you have and try and remind yourselves of the blessings that you have. Something that... Um, comes to mind when you say of reminding yourself of the blessings is um the notion of for example like you said marriage let's say marriage a lot of sisters like i said Allahu alam about brothers but a lot of sisters may feel that they may not be able to do as many things that they could prior to marriage and children for example you know tahajjud tahajjud may be something that you can't do as often because you have children at home and they may not, you know, they may, you may not be able to take them to the masjid. They may not settle for you in the masjid. It's just much harder. Um, and I know this is something that I definitely miss whenever Ramadan comes around. I do miss tahajjud because it's not something that I can just go to every every night now. Uh, sorry, not tahajjud, tarawih. Guys, <laughs> I meant to say tarawih. Um, tarawih isn't something I can just go to every night. So, um, but you know, I can flip that around. And like you said, ha- I can think for a second and think, I remember, Amina, the time when you wasn't married and you longed to have a family to do these ibadah with. You longed to have um, a family and to create that Ramadan environment in your own home for your own family. You know, there's a lot of times where we forget that we were once in a position where we longed for the blessings that we have today. Um, And I try and remind myself this a lot. Um, 
especially especially with my husband because he he always says this to me you know there's uh, you know I sometimes get questions or dms about you know do you know of a brother who's looking to get married my, my husband may get the same about um you know if he knows any sisters that are looking to get married and he always says to me you know subhanallah I feel like marriage is such a popular thing now like it just everybody wants to get married but then he'll instantly say to me oh subhanallah you know what I need to remind myself of the time when I wasn't married because I know that that was a subject that was the center of my life as well and then alhamdulillah Allah has now blessed me with that and because he's now been blessed with uh, you know a wife and children alhamdulillah you know we may forget that that there was a time when we longed for that and we waited impatiently for that or we made dua for that so just always remind yourself that you know whatever situation you're in think back to a time where you you asked Allah to put you in this situation that you are in now you asked Allah for the blessings that are now in your life exactly so let this be a goal in Ramadan get a gratitude journal this Ramadan, you're going to be more grateful. You're going to, because gratitude makes life easy. Allah brings more blessings in your life through gratitude. So definitely, these are some things people might not see like a big Ramadan goal, but mm. it definitely is. Anyone who studies the life of the Prophet ﷺ would just see the main thing is gratitude. And the Prophet ﷺ, while holding his daughter that just had died, she just died before him in his arms, he said, the mu'min in every situation is khair, finds khair in every situation. Yeah. And he says the mu'min will be in a situation where his soul is being removed from his body. And he's mm. sending pray, praises and gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jal. Even the situation, look at the, uh, even the statement, look at the situation that the Prophet Sallallahu was saying this statement in. His daughter had just passed away before him and he was holding her in his arms and he is uttering this statement. Oh, this reminds me of a, first let me just say, may Allah allow us to reach such a level of Iman. Allahumma barik. Um, but I was actually reading a book recently it's um it's the show up book by Naima Roberts I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her name correctly but it actually came to a page and this page touched me deeply to the point where I was in tears and it's only like a few pages into her book subhanallah but um so the section speaks about you know when she lost her husband may Allah have mercy on his soul when she lost her ex-husband may Allah have mercy on her soul on his soul um and she was speaking about uh, a story that a friend had told her about while her husband was unwell um, and the story was that there were there was a little girl a young girl who was very sick and um, I can't remember exactly what was wrong wrong with her but she had something wrong with her and she she you know she had a very limited life and you know every day the doctors would tell her parents that um that she was going to pass away and when this happened subhanallah the father would look at the mother whenever they would hear this and he'd say to her remember remember he wouldn't say anything but remember so they must have had a private discussion about what this remember meant um and then after and then after um you know a, a few times of this happening or a few weeks of this happening they finally got the call that their daughter had passed or they went into hospital, sorry, rather, and they were told that their daughter has passed. And immediately, like I'm getting goosebumps now and trying not to tear up because I'm a very, I'm a big softie. But um, they, 
in instantly when they were told the husband so the father of the daughter turned around and looked at his wife and he said to her now Elaine, now and immediately they both got down and prostrated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asked for and said uh, you know alhamdulillah and everybody was in shock you know the doctors the nurses everybody around was in shock and they said to them subhanallah we've just told you you've lost your daughter she's she's no longer here and you're making sujood saying alhamdulillah why so they both afterwards got up and they explained that they had made a deal and a compact with each other and said that um you know that they were going to be grateful and thankful for the life that their daughter had and for the time that they had to spend with her regardless if she is no longer they will still be grateful and celebrate the life that she did have and that the blessings that Allah gave them through her and that's just a beautiful way to put it like you said subhanallah as a parent myself and as a mother myself just the thought of losing my children will have me in tears in seconds instantly so for for them as parents to be able to react like that is just beautiful and it shows the level of iman and the level of love they have for Allah because they're so grateful for the life that their daughter had and for the time that they had to spend with her um so definitely i think that's a very very big um lesson and you know Naima Roberts said she she speaks about how that impacted her a lot and when she heard and was given the call that her husband had passed she instantly did the same thing and made it her intention before he had passed that that is how inshallah she would react when she hears that he has passed rather than you know instantly reacting and maybe going overboard or you know acting in a way that may displease Allah of course she had her her time where she you know of course she probably cried definitely she probably felt sadness but at the same time she made sure that there was shukr there was a hamd there was some part of gratitude within those emotions as well and that she thanked Allah for the life she did have with her husband and for the time she did have with him subhanallah so yeah that's just very very amazing story but um yes I think it's very important to add gratitude into our daily lives and definitely into Ramadan because it allows you to appreciate the things that you are doing um, regardless if they like you said they're not as big as what somebody else is that's fine that's your blessing that's what you are able to do and that's alhamdulillah in itself an amazing thing alhamdulillah so we spoke about that's one tip gratitude um so since you've mentioned about a, a journal i would like to mention about you know planning ramadan now i don't know if you plan and organize ramadan i know a lot of people do i haven't i can't lie and say i do or i have i haven't as of yet ever planned ramadan or you know, gone into a, a journal and written everything out and organized how it's going to be. Because for me, I just, I've never been that kind of person. I do want to be, but I have never been that kind of person. Um, so do you think, I mean, for you, when Ramadan is coming, what do you do to prepare yourself? Do you, you know, get a journal and organize it all? Or do you just allow it to flow and whatever happens, happens kind of thing? <laughs> you know it actually makes me feel nice to know that there's another person who doesn't plan because it usually don't makes tell me, feel me you bad. don't plan oh I Nadira usually... I would have expected you to plan you sound like a planning person that's what everyone expects subhanallah <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when sisters dm me asking me can you tell us how like to organize this uh -huh. your day I'm like subhanallah I'm really really sorry and this is where 
I feel like majority of the sisters, especially when you're on social media, you see plan. I got a planner. The amount of planners I got, I oh, just write my name, too. my information, and then next thing you know, the planner is there, blank, nothing else. <gasps> me too. And it's like almost everyone on social media is a planner. Like literally, the oh, smallest thing, like I'm it. cooking tonight's lunch. To, I mean, tonight's dinner. It's it's on the to do list, and then they take it. Seems so organized. I've never been that type of person. Same. And this again goes back to knowing your personality. Definitely. And not thinking. For some time, I actually felt behind, and I kept on calling myself unorganized. Yes. Because of that, but now I'm. Is that louder for the people in the back? It's. <laughs> It's not because I'm unorganized. It's just that I organize my things differently. Mm. For me, everything is mentally. I have to mentally convince myself and mentally prepare myself and mentally mandate this on myself. Mm. I can plan, I can schedule, I can, but if I haven't mentally prepared myself like that, that schedule will just be there. No one will follow it through. Mm. No. I, I'm I honestly I'm a hundred percent the same. And I'm like you said, I'm very relieved. <laughs> I was expecting <laughs> you to come out with some like 10 step organization plan and I was just gonna sit here looking like the unorganized person. So alhamdulillah that didn't happen. <laughs> so no it goes back to knowing yourself. Now that you know you are a mental preparation type of a person you convince yourself you mentally prepare what your goals are and how if you want to write them down for extra do it for me it's just before I go to sleep at night Mm -hmm. I will sit there mentally like I say I have to mentally prepare myself and mentally tell myself what I have to do tomorrow Mm -hmm. and make convince myself that these are mandatory uh, things that I have to carry throughout the day and only then when my my when I have analyzed it internalized it mentally only then will I be able to carry it through so with Ramadan as you can imagine by now there is no planner I haven't written goals down however Mm -hmm. I do have mental goals that I know personally that I want to work towards Mm -hmm. and how to go about it so that's how I organize myself for me. So I feel like the sisters who are planners and writing down to-do lists and everything, I don't think this is the episode for them. <laughs> yeah, you do you, boo. You do what suits you and what works for you. Just from exactly. this episode, just... I think, definitely, I think just take what works for you, you know. I, I There's this notion that, um, you know, that it worked for this sister, so it has to work for me. That's completely... Mm-hmm incorrect and it's not something that's realistic what works for some person may not work for you everybody is different everybody's personalities are different the way people react to things and the way people internalize things are different so just because some sister's way of working and the method that she does things doesn't work for you does not mean you know you're not good enough or she's at a higher level than you all it means is that you have to figure out what works for you and what is your way of, of internalizing things and putting things into action inshallah um, I definitely am a mental person so for me it's the first thing in the morning when I get up or like you said before um, I go to bed the night before uh, I will mentally tell myself this is what I have to do this is what I have to do and I'll prepare myself by you know thinking about the things I have to do calculating how much mm-hmm. it's going to take me to do those things and then I feel prepared the next day to start my day inshallah um, just that you did the right way that's all I'm going to say subhanallah the way you start the morning does affect the rest of your day mm, if definitely. your morning is productive and this is why it is highly encouraged to start your day with recitation of the Quran mm-hmm. 
start your day. That's one thing. If there's one thing I can emphasize on is start your day the right way, whether it's with um, memorizing the Quran. Again, that goes differently. It works. I just recently found out. I used to think that everyone's best at the time to memorize is the morning. Mm-hmm. And I recently found out that there are certain people who memorize best at night. Imagine. Everybody's so again, it, 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 it's different, but just type, start your day the right way. Another thing is take advantage of the mornings. Yes, because this is, yes. This is a time that the Prophet وسلم, made dua to Allah for. Allah, the Prophet said, Allahumma barik li ummati fi bukuriha. Oh, yeah, Allah, bless the mornings for my ummah do you know what barakah means when something has but it doesn't mean that those six hours between uh the 5 a.m until like let's say 11 or 12 are going to be like now you're going to have eight hours or no it just means that allah will extend the amount of benefits that you can do in this time Allah places barakah, which means it's the same amount, it's the same hours, but it extends in regards to how much you can take benefit and how many benefits you can do. And this is why the people who work in their mornings, they will find themselves by dhuhr, they have already done majority of the goals that they were supposed to do in, the, in that day. Definitely. Take, I Start your mornings the right way and take advantage of the mornings. That's it. A hundred percent. I'm actually going to do a separate episode of this because I have like so many DMs on, you know, sisters asking, how do I organize my day? How do I manage to do so many things with children? You know, when it comes to baking, cooking, stuff like that. Um, and that is one of the tips actually is I start my day very early. So my children wake up between four to five o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, they're my fajr alarms. I don't even need a fajr alarm. They are them. They are that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as they wake up, alhamdulillah, even though I'm tired and it's, you know, very early, instantly, once I get up and I start my day, uh, I'm able to do so much. And like you said, by the time Duhar comes or even before Duhar comes, my, I've done everything I needed to do. And the rest of the day is for other things. And when I say everything, most like most of it is, you know, house chores, the cooking, the cleaning, the baking, certain things that I may think take up time, I take advantage and try to get them done in the morning, because I know that at least once they're done, I don't have to worry about them anymore. And they're not a mental load for me that I'm going to carry around for the rest of the day thinking, when am I going to do that? When can I finish that? Am I going to be able to fit that in? Um, So I'm very much a morning person when it comes to getting things done. And I definitely am here to second that and say, getting things done in the morning brings so much barakah and so much benefit. Um, So definitely, if you're not a morning person, try it out, inshallah. Maybe make that a new goal, you know, to start waking up early after Fajr, reading some Quran, doing your adhkar, and then begin your day. And you know what? After you finish all your chores, have a little nap. Have a nap after Dhuhr time, you know? It's not a bad thing. And and, uh, it's also part of the sunnah. And, you know, a lot of Arab countries as well, um, they get up early and they all have naps after Dhuhr because... Mm that's the time that everybody has a nap it's just the norm I remember growing up in Algeria we'd always have a nap after Zuhar time uh, just to till just before Asr or you know something like that so definitely if you feel like you're going to be a person who's very tired try and schedule in a nap after you've got all your things done because you've, you've done everything so you don't have to worry about not having time to nap um, and especially while you're fasting that also will help your um, energy levels mm-hmm. and hopefully give you some refreshment um and subhanAllah, this is the time to take advantage of it. I read somewhere that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Mm. And Ramadan is 30 days. All the good habits that you actually want to form, 
this is the time. Shaitan is changed. It's you and your nafs. And it's for 30 days and it takes 21 days to form a habit. So you can try to turn yourself. Ramadan, I feel like, though, is the time where majority of the people sleep in the morning, though, because they stay up at night, especially in the West. I feel like uh, the time you guys break your fast is very late. By the time of Taraweeh, it's very late. Alhamdulillah, for us here, by 10 p.m., everything is done. Probably this is when you're coming back from Taraweeh. Oh, my God. We break break our fast at 6. 45 that's when we break our fast at 6 45 oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know when i speak to my family back in algeria or my husband speaks to his family in tunisia morocco they always break their fast an hour early from us and i'm always like ah they're already eating they've already broken their fast we still have one more hour to go come on we can do this guys and there's you like breaking your fast at six o'clock <laughs> Six and then when do we? When does Fajr time begin? When do we start our next uh, uh, our, our next uh, fasting? At five thirty, oh. <laughs> we fast around Allah twelve hours a day. Alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal. You know, this is what we're used to, and Alhamdulillah, you know. Um, yeah so i feel like this maybe ramadan it might be a bit difficult to become a morning mm. person since the entire night people are awake in worship and taraweeh and everything and then they sleep between fajr and dhuhr mm, definitely but you know mm. what maybe you know a tip that we could give is you know try and complete the ibadah that you can complete um mm-hmm. and then try and have a nap in between and then get up for fajr and then start your day you know sometimes it helps I, I remember sometimes my husband before he would do all the ibadah that he had to do he'd try and have a quick nap um he'll do his suhoor fajr and that's it he'll start his day you know it depends you know it's all about organizing yourself and also trying to um work around the time that you have and the schedule that you have inshallah but again with that said i definitely don't want everybody who's listening to overwhelm themselves with doing so many things you know i think that's another big thing that in ramadan when we want to do so many things we end up overwhelming ourselves with all these different ideas and all these different goals and you know i want to achieve this i want to be a morning person i want to do all these things which then leads to us doing nothing because it we're left with the crippling effect of procrastination and you you don't want to get things done because it just feels like too much and you know for me personally my anxiety make a king or I feel like this is way too much just give up now instead do nothing and that's better um so definitely don't overwhelm yourself pick a few things you know one two three things maximum five but minimum i'd say three things they could be big or small um ideally small and have some big but try not to do everything that's going to massively or drastically change your life because that's not going to be realistic to do too many drastic changes at once um but yeah don't overwhelm yourself take your time and also be forgiving if there are certain things that you somehow along the way during ramadan you feel that you can't do don't hold yourself um you know you don't beat yourself up about that accept it realize that it's not something that is realistic for you right now in the position that you are in now in your life and make dua that next year inshallah allah grants you the tools and the ability to do it you know something that my <laughs> husband again always reminds me of allahumma barak may allah bless him is when i'm thinking of a goal and i think oh i can't do that specific goal right now with my life you know the lifestyle that i'm living or with you know not being able to do certain things for whatever reason he says to me amina remember your life is not going to be like this forever this is this is the situation you're in now, you know, from a year to now or from a month, you may be in a total different situation that may allow you to complete that goal. But for now, mm-hmm. be patient, have to and make dua. 
and that's it and try to work towards it and inshallah if you complete it you do it. if you don't it's okay it's another thing to add to next year bismillah another thing to look Definitely. forward to completing inshallah so be 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 kind to yourself and just do what you can that's very very important and i actually even spoke about this in detail on the on the how to prepare ramadan on al-muhidat institute mm-hmm. and the the other effect of overdoing yourself and having too many goals is that you try in the beginning it's when you are excited ramadan just began you will try in the beginning to do all of these things and at the end of the day you're just human allah says and the human was created weak you forget this you try to do everything and you might experience a burnout in the middle of ramadan what happens when Definitely. you experience a burnout in the middle of Ramadan? You become more sluggish. You mm. will, you, you're always tired. You're exhausted. And then in that situation, the last 10 days of Ramadan will find you, which are the greatest days of Ramadan. And the Prophet ﷺ did say, Deeds are by how you end it. Mm. So you are going to end Ramadan when you overdo yourself and cause yourself to be in a situation of burnout in the beginning of Ramadan. You're going to end Ramadan sluggish and exhausted and tired and not excited, which will lead to you not taking advantage of the last 10 days, which might lead to you not taking advantage of the greatest night in the year, which is Laylatul Qadr. Mm. So in an attempt of not risking that, be realistic another reason that causes this overburdening yourself is the mentality and the thinking that Allah expects perfection from you there's a reason why Allah created us he already if Allah wanted perfection he already has the angels they hmm. are the perfect creations who they do not disobey Allah and they do everything he commands them so if Allah wanted perfection, he would continue with the creation of the angels alone. But Allah created you. And what Allah wants from us is not perfection. Allah wants from us is progress and improvement and to mm. show that we truly love him despite our nooks. We're truly going to turn back to him, whatever the situation, whatever what we do, we truly go back to him and depend on uh, depend on him and just we are constantly in a situation of trying to please him trying to be better people trying to be uh, better worshipers more devoted worshipers that's what allah wants from you no one will ever be able to reach perfection mm. perfection is not in our soul as long as you're improving this Ramadan, you've accomplished this next Ramadan, you accomplish something else and something else. That is what Allah wants from you. The fact that you are not stagnant in one place and you're constantly improving yourself and working on your, on your relationship with him. That is a very beautiful point. And you know what, actually, I want to take back what I said. I said a minimum of three things, you know, forget that even a minimum of one thing that you accomplish is enough, you know, it could be something small as um, you may dedicate a specific time to reading five minutes of Quran or let's say even a page, even, you know, a paragraph and you continue that throughout, you know, Allah loves the, the, um, the acts of worship that are consistent. Um, so just keeping that in itself is a blessing because at the end of the day, would you much rather try to go in as much as you can in Ramadan um, and then the month, the minute it's finished, you fall off and you have another 11 months ahead of you of not doing anything? Or would you rather start something small and very simple 
and continue it for the rest of the year and all the years to come after that and gain all that reward I would much rather prefer the latter so remember Mm -hmm. that when you are thinking of goals and forget like what I said even if it's one goal you know don't be too ambitious even if I mean you can if you want to and you feel like it's something that you can do I'm not telling people here to not be ambitious and to not do their best definitely not if you feel like you're somebody who can take on tasks you're very organized you're mentally prepared and you're ready for it go for it you know aim high reach high that's fine but if you also feel like you're somebody who may need to take things at a steady pace to continue it then do that like we've been saying everybody is different and do what works for you and what is best for you inshallah So we've spoken so far, we've said, you know, a gratitude journal. We've also spoken about um, not taking on too much and overwhelming ourselves. We've spoken about, you know, comparing that falls with the gratitude. What else do you think is something that is definitely uh, a great tip to have when it comes to preparing for Ramadan or even benefiting the most that we can for Ramadan? Um it would also you know uh, the the lesson that we learned last lockdown and ironically here just before ramadan we went we were not in lockdown and mm-hmm. uh, within this week again we went into lockdown where places of worship had been closed again just two weeks before ramadan mm-hmm. and you know it's making us wonder allah put us in lockdown last ramadan mm-hmm. and right before this ramadan again majority of the countries are going in ramadan is it because we did not learn the lessons that allah wanted us to learn last ramadan mm, and one of the things that were being emphasized last ramadan was khalwa ma allah seclusion and isolation with allah uh, ramadan is seems especially in muslim households and or muslim countries it is a communal thing at the community thing a family thing mm. uh going to tarawih together which are all good thing but do you have that seclusion mm-hmm. and 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 under this comes in your goal we're not going to give you suggestions in your goal as abdurrahman bin auf advised he said, let there be a, a amal, a deed that is a secret for every person. Mm. Let each and every one of person have a deed that is secret that even the closest person to them doesn't know. Because our intentions, the niya, is something we're all never sure about. Mm. Only Allah knows. You can never be sure of your intention being in the right place. Your intention is constantly changing and you're constantly going to be battling with your intention. Mm. No one can fully say, I have ikhlas. Mm. So in that search, because we know ikhlas is the first condition of the ibadah being accepted. Mm -hmm. The first condition for that ibadah to be accepted. As much as all this goes now, we are having all of this, they will not be accepted without ikhlas. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to ensure that you are doing something to work towards ikhlas, have and incorporate in your schedule something that is just between you and Allah that even the closest person to you doesn't know. Whether mm-hmm. that is giving a- an amount of sadaqah each day, whether that is waking up in the middle of the night in a way that nobody, nobody in the house can hear you and you just quickly pray two rak'at and then you go back to sleep when nobody sees you, whether it's um, 
reading or learning a few knowledge, whatever it is, whether it's paying a bill or a debt that has been weighing down on a Muslim for such a long time in secret, whatever it is, just make sure you have that secret deed with Allah. The, the adhan is going up. Should we just wait a bit? Yeah, let's just wait for the adhan to finish, inshallah. Oh, how I miss hearing the adhan, subhanAllah, being called outside. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. What a beautiful blessing you have. Ah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So actually on that point, I'm, I, and I'm going to try to, um, you know, finish the podcast soon because I know that Maghrib has gone now where you are. So I don't want you to be delayed too much from it, inshallah. But if you feel like you would like to go or you feel like it's taking too long, 
you know feel free to just say no i really need to go pray maghrib you know just cut me off okay don't be too shy no, i actually prayed maghrib this is isha oh oh my god whoa isha oh wow allahumma <laughs> barik okay i'm cool. ending my day yeah subhanallah well, it's still light here we still haven't had maghrib yet okay well that's fine alhamdulillah so we have a bit of time then inshallah um yeah. so actually a point i wanted to make is you know when you said about having a secret deed between you know yourself and allah the, the people who are listening um it's so easy nowadays as well to have you know to have that because there's so many options that are available to us when it comes to um making uh something uh, sorry performing an act that is secret i'm trying to just open an application so i can get all the the uh, names but there's these specific apps that i have and i just think they're absolutely amazing and um the first one is oh, it's not gonna let me open it for some reason you know the new iphone update and everything's in like weird folders and i haven't updated it because i know it always comes with weird things ah oh, so it's not even letting me open it just letting it's just Okay, so I can't, I, can't, I can't open it, so I don't remember the actual name of it. Um, but I think it's called Share a Meal. And it's an application that I absolutely adore. And the reason being is it makes it so easy for you to perform some sadaqah. You know, it has um, specific categories where um, you could, you know, help a child in Rohingya, or you could help a child in Syria, or you could... It has different causes, basically, and different prices. So the cheapest you could do is, like, um, you could donate 15, I think... Uh, P. I'm not so sure how that translates over to where you are but you know it's very very cheap and it's like you said for people who may not feel like they have the money this is a very beautiful way to donate you know you can just go on there press the button pay bam nobody knows you've done it um, you don't have to show it off to the world you know nobody knows it's between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also with that said I also want to remind people that you know charity does not decrease your wealth and this is a very 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 big lesson because I feel like well, I have witnessed most of the time that, uh, you know, people may say, I don't have the money to give for that. And at the end of the day, when that situation arises and, you know, there's an opportunity for you to give and you may feel you don't have the money to give, I would encourage you to give anyways. Um, because Allah never, uh, you know, Allah tells us that charity does not decrease from wealth and rather Allah will increase us. You know, he will he will increase us with what we have given and reward us for it. Um, there's many times where I have found myself in that situation where I've given and thought, you know what, it's okay. Allah will grant me back. And you know, to my surprise, Subhanallah, He has and done it doubled or twice or three times more than what I, I gave. Um, so I definitely think that's something that people should take from this as well. Is never feel like charity is going to decrease from your wealth. It will only allow your um, your money to increase, inshallah, and be filled with barakah. Um, and it's also another way to gain beautiful reward relieving your brother from a stress or assist your sister from stress that she's going through financially is an amazing thing and we have a lot of blessings that some people may not have simple things such as clean water or something to eat and break their fast with um it's something that a lot of people don't have subhanallah unfortunately you know we're able to have three course meals but there's some people and some families across the world who have nothing to break their fast with and you know mothers are having to pretend that they're boiling something just so the children think they're going to eat and then fall asleep from tiredness of crying because they're hungry so please be grateful for the things that you have and definitely if you can give give do not withstand from giving to your brothers and sisters and to people around the world because it definitely is needed
and always remember that you're always going to need Allah Azza wa Jal. And one of the ways of getting back, uh, having Allah with you, Allah will always be there, be there with you. But for that extra is by doing ev- what you want Allah to give you to others. Like for example, yes. the verse that says, when it comes to forgiveness, Allah is saying, forgive. Do you not wish and do you not love Allah to forgive you? And then in a hadith, the Prophet says, Allah is, will be an ease in the aid of a person as long as that person is in the aid of their brother and their sister. So you want Allah to provide for you. You want Allah to forgive you. You want Allah to give you this. You want Allah to be there for you. Then forgive his, uh, his creations. Give and help the creations. Um, be there for the creation. 100%. It's, that is it's, one of the ways of getting these blessings. 100%. You know, we also need to remind ourselves that just because we are in a position now that we are not in need, there definitely will come a time in your life where you're going to need something. You know, insan is never going to always be stable. Mm. The, the sunnah of hayat and the sunnah of life is that it will always be up and down. You're never going to mm. have a stable life filled with, you know, with with just good. We're all going to suffer some somehow, some way. We're all going to go through something somehow, some way. And we will all go through a phase where we need help from others, whether that be financially, whether that be physically, whether that be mentally. Nobody's Superman. Nobody's a superhero, you know, Um so remind yourself that as well. When you hear of somebody in need, remind yourself and say, I'm going to do this for the sake of Allah. So inshallah, in my time of need, I will have somebody that will give or help me just like I have helped this person. Um, may Allah allow us to be from those who have soft hearts, inshallah, and do the best we Allahumma can to benefit each other. Ameen, ya Rabb. Um, another thing I think is a really, I know this is going to be a long podcast for you guys, inshallah, maybe we'll be finishing soon. I just think it's a, you know, I just enjoy talking to you, Nadira, and I think, you know, we can get so much um, benefit out there. So one thing I wanted to also speak about is seeking um, rep- seeking forgiveness from Allah and, you know, benefiting as much as you can and keeping yourself in a state of istighfar during Ramadan. Um, what is your thoughts on seeking forgiveness from Allah during Ramadan I think the best time to seek forgiveness is definitely in Ramadan um so yeah what, what, do you have any beautiful reminders uh, regarding that I mean this is the month where Allah is freeing people not only forgiving but freeing them mm. from the hellfire can you imagine how much forgiveness that is that a person definitely. who was destined for the hellfire that Allah is going to be freeing them so definitely this is not the month to only aim for forgiveness but this is the month to aim if poten- if initially the person was meant for the hellfire there's an opportunity that this person is going to be saved this month so istighfar is even a lower ambition it has mm. to be higher the month of istighfar is the month we are currently in shaban mm-hmm. this is the month where we just passed this is when Allah the Amal we ascend to Allah where Allah forgives mostly. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to Ramadan, you you double and more, and three times and four times your istighfar and your tawbah and asking Allah to make you from the people of Jannah and to free you from the hellfire and to protect you from the hellfire. So let even your uh, be higher than that. And then the mm-hmm. other thing is in Ramadan, make sure to moist your tongue with remembrance mm. whether that is glorifying Allah praising Allah asking Allah for forgiveness uh, uh, repeating the shahada 
you're going to be up and down. This is another thing. These are the easiest ibadah, easiest mm. ibadah that you can do. Definitely, definitely, when a person is doing um, al-kar, they need to they need to be aware and they need to be present. Uh-huh. You need to have that in your daily al-kar. I believe was it Ali radiallahu anhu who said that our istighfar mm-hmm. actually needs istighfar within itself. Mm. Because we do it heedless while we are heedless yeah. and we do it, our heart is not there. So he's saying our istighfar actually needs istighfar. So you have that time where you are um, where you are aware and present that you're doing mm-hmm. your akar. But at the same time, for that extra benefit, while you're going about your chores and you're going about the house, train your tongue to be constantly remembering Allah Azzawajal because these are very heavy on the way, on the scale of good deeds. Uh, the Prophet said, There are two kalimat, two, mm. or, uh, two statements that are they're very light on the tongue. Mm. They're very heavy on the mizan, on the scale, and the scale of deeds. May Allah allow our scales Allah, to be heavy in our favor. Allahumma ameen. And Allah that he loves them. It's subhanallah al-azim, subhanallah wa bihamdi. You're going about your chose, do do that. Ask istighfar, have a daily adkar book where mm. you're doing your adkar with presence, seeking istighfar. This is a month that Allah is freeing people from the hellfire, thousands and thousands and thousands of people from the hellfire. What better time to actually be consistent with istighfar? I, uh, I, I, I remember a khutbah actually, and I, I really, I'm sorry guys, I know I'm sounding like the grandmother that just always tells stories, but um, <laughs> I have we kids, so I tell a lot of stories. <laughs> we love stories. I, I remember a story. Now, I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't specifically remember the person, that, uh, you know, the, the, the scholar that the person, the imam was speaking about. May Allah forgive me for that and may Allah forgive my sins and um, strengthen my, my memory. I, I am currently struggling very badly with baby brain and my memory is terrible lately, subhanAllah. So may Allah forgive me for my shortcomings because I do know that memory is linked to sin. So may Allah forgive me for my sins. Amin, Ya Rabbi. Um, all of us uh so yeah the imam was actually saying and it was it was linked to the importance of adhkar and he was saying that there was a baker i i don't know if you've heard the story but he was saying that there was a baker and he uh was somebody who was constantly in a state of remembering allah his tongue was constantly moist with the dhikr of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and specifically he would always say subhanallah alhamdulillah la ilaha illallah allahu akbar he'd constantly say uh, you know the things that would please allah um and it just so happened that there was a scholar and he had traveled far and wide and he was specifically traveling to where this baker was um to seek uh, to seek something I, I think it was to seek knowledge or some something of that sort but anyways he had to he was he, he managed to find himself where this baker is and uh, you know the way the sheikh was speaking about it at the imam it was a very far travel for him a very long journey um anyway so he he reaches to to you know the country that this baker is in and he goes to a masjid um and he goes to uh i think have a rest in the masjid because he's you know he's not from there he has nowhere to stay he thought you know what i will i will you know benefit my time by staying in the masjid i will uh you know worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i will stay there and rest uh, may allah forgive me if i'm getting part of this story wrong this is what my memory is telling me anyhow so he goes <laughs> to try so, so he goes oh do you know the story it's Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, yeah. And yeah, the oh, alhamdulillah. Okay, good. So you, um, he goes to the to the masjid. He, you know, he. I think he, 
that somebody, the caretaker of the masjid sees that he's staying there or, or lying down or sleeping there and he tells him off and kicks him out and basically says, we can't allow anybody to, you know, this is not what the masjid's for. You can't stay in the masjid. Do correct me if I say anything wrong though, Nadira. Um, and, and the imam, obviously, uh, the alim, sorry, Imam Hanbal says to him, um, you know, I can't remember exactly, but obviously he's like, you know, why not? This is the, this is not you. This is like the place of Allah. You don't own the masjid or something like that. Anyhow, um, to put, Subhanallah, I, I think the to the point where the the caretaker of the masjid like pushes the Imam Hanbal and he falls down, and it's like very, it's very, it's basically not a friendly meeting, and he's very unfriendly and unwelcoming to Imam Hanbal. Um, and I think that I'm not sure if the baker notices him or the baker tells him come come to me, but somehow he ends up in. The baker, do you, do you know you know how they end how he does does the yes. does the baker call him or does he go to the shop? I can't remember the exactly. Ba- the baker actually sees them. He sees mm-hmm. this situation where the sheikh is being pulled down by this man out yes, of the masjid, yes, yes. and then he asks them, uh, he asks them what is wrong, and um, and Imam Ahmed responds saying, "I don't have a place to sleep, and this guard is refusing for me to sleep in the masjid." And mm-hmm. the man re- responds saying, "Let's go with me to my to my house. You can sleep there." Mm. And then the Imam Ahmed went with the baker like that. Yeah, and then Subhanallah, you know the you know what you finish the story. Go on, you finish it. You have a beautiful way of speaking. Come you finish on. the story. <laughs> you are going so well, Barakallah, Vicky. Continue. <laughs> you are um, a good storyteller, Barakallah, uh, Vicky. Thank you. Um, okay, so he ends up back at the place with the baker, and uh, as he's as he's sitting the, the Imam Hanbal, he's sitting there and observing the baker, uh, and the baker is obviously getting his his uh, baking and pastries and bread and all that ready for for him to sell. Um, but he's constantly in a state of remembrance of Allah and dhikr. Um, and, um, oh, now my mind's gone blank. I don't know if the Imam, Imam Hanbal asks him, what have you made dua for? Or I'm not too sure how, how the conversation starts. But do you know? How, so he, I know he's making dua. Uh, no, sorry. I know he's making a lot mm-hmm. of dhikr. And the Imam Hanbal is, is assessing him and, and, you know, watching him do that. Then, yeah. then how does the conversation go on from there? And Imam Ahmed then sleeps that night thinking this man is definitely a great man in mm-hmm. order for him to be able to be this consistent with the istighfar and the tasbih. So mm-hmm. he went to sleep knowing already that this is not a, a, just a, a normal man. This is mm-hmm. a great man. So in the morning when he, uh, when he woke up, he asked him, did you see any effects of this tasbih in your life? Ah, yes, Have you ever it, yeah, seen, yeah. yes, any tasbih? And then the khubaz, the baker, responds saying, naam, yes. Wallahi, he says, every time I make dua to Allah, Allah accepts all my dua immediately, oh, except for one dua. I've been making oh. one dua that Allah is yet to accept. And then the Shaykh Imam Ahmed asks him, and what is that dua? And he said, I have been praying to Allah that he allows me to meet Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. Subhanallah. And then the Shaykh at that was so surprised. He said, I am Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. And he said, you know, this is a great Shaykh. The Harris didn't know this is Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. Mm. And Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, he says, and wallahi, that me being pulled out of the masjid and dragged out of the masjid was because Allah was pulling me towards you because of that, because of that dua and because of your tasbih. Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar. 
what more do you need to to hear for you to start you know your journey on continuously being in a state of remembrance of Allah what more do you need to hear to keep your tongue moist with the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Nadira said you know it's not it's not something that is hard it's very easy on the tongue but very heavy on the scale so definitely the baker was baking start and exactly there, and, and you know was, uh, from yeah. from that story is is when I started doing dhikr so for example uh, daily chores cooking cleaning taking care of my children i would remind myself of this story and i would instantly try to keep my tongue moist with dhikr and just a beautiful incredible story subhanallah that we should all take benefit from even when you train your tongue to be constantly in the dhikr of allah when you're caught off guard subhanallah how many people die fajatan sudden Mm. without having preparation there's no guarantee that the way you're going to die is surrounded by your family reminding you to do the shahada how will the shahada be reminded to you when Mm. you've already trained your tongue to immediately respond with dhikr in that situation it will immediately respond with dhikr and the kalimat al-tawheed, the shahada, and the Prophet sallallahu said, whoever utters that, they enter Jannah. So this is, again, in preparation of the possibility you might die in a situation where you do not have the time to think or you do not have the people around you to remind you because you have been reminding your tongue to remember Allah when you were in a good situation, in a good state, this time your tongue, because it's used to it, will take control and rule automatically we all know when we are found in that situation our tongue will utter something but it usually utters what we do the most Mm. what we say the Mm. most so when the most that you say is tasbih in that situation you're going to utter the kalima to tawhid definitely Um, so i think we've given some good tips um and it is it's coming on to nearly an hour and a half or just over allahumma barik so i'm very pleased i think um if you know i think we should sum it up if there's anything that you would like to add definitely add in there um one thing that i would like to add before we summarize actually is Um, something it's, it's maybe from a different angle but it's of um, teaching our children the importance of uh, of Ramadan uh, through ways of um, fun activities through ways of decorating the house I know this may not be the most um, the most traditional way of instilling uh, you know teaching your children about Islam but for me it very much is how I like my children to learn about Islam because growing up I never had any of that and I know that if I, well, Allahu A'lam, you know, Hidayah min Allah, but I definitely would hope that through me trying to make Islam fun for my children and trying to make it something that they enjoy and learn to grow a love for um, mm-hmm. is, is, is hopefully something that will, may, that will, inshallah, lead them to be, you know, God-fearing, righteous Muslims in the future, inshallah. So something that I definitely like to do for Ramadan and I do know it's becoming much more popular now is to make Ramadan special you know uh, we don't have many celebrations Islamically that we are um, you know allowed to celebrate you know especially living here in the west Um, I don't know about where you are exactly uh, if there are any you know um, celebrations that they do within your country that is not from Islam but from where we are you know in the west in the UK we have Christmas we have Easter we have all these different celebrations that are just not you know not correct for us to follow and a haram for us to follow and I always sit and think you know my child is growing up in this country or my children are growing up in this country and they're definitely going to feel like they're missing out on something if we don't make a big deal of our celebrations so especially in our household we don't do birthdays we don't do new year we don't do christmas we don't do anything um 
And for a lot of my family members, they think it's very extreme, especially the birthday part. But I'm very strict on that. And, you know, Alhamdulillah, my son has never had a birthday and he's never asked me for a birthday. Um, but I think as he gets older, he most likely will because he will start to mm. understand and see children around him in school have birthdays, be celebrated, you know, get gifts and all these different things. So something that me and my husband like to do is make a big deal of Eid and Ramadan because there's two Eids and there's Ramadan. That's something that he can celebrate um, mm-hmm. without having to worry about it being something that isn't permissible. So um, something that I love to do is try and fill Ramadan with beautiful memories that they will you know, cherish as they grow older and it will connect them back to Allah and the Quran and the Sunnah and allow them to nurture that love for Allah. And one way is through decorating the house. Like, um, I don't think we used to do it when I was before I was married, but definitely since getting married and having children, I always like to decorate the house and I like to make it a big deal. And honestly, it's the best thing ever because, you know, the minute those decorations go up, the atmosphere changes in the house and Suleiman's face lights up. You know, Ilyas, I haven't actually had a Ramadan with him um, yet at this age. So he, you know, if I did before um, when he was born, he was a baby. He didn't really get it. But Suleiman now, because he's coming onto four, he definitely notices things. Um, and he, he actually saw the decorations that I have uh, that I got from eatparty.co.uk and he said to me oh, mommy is this for Ramadan like he connects it now and knows that Ramadan means you know uh, you know memories Ramadan means decoration now I'm not saying that Ramadan should only be that definitely not but I am saying that for me personally in my household I do try to make effort in that aspect for my children because at the end of the day the kids kids are attracted by colors kids are attracted by fun kids are attracted um through things that adults you know necessarily don't need to follow islam um so i definitely would encourage you guys if you do have children or if you do have siblings who may not be as enthusiastic about ramadan um or as excited about ramadan or that bothered about it definitely try to change up the atmosphere by adding something new into the environment and that could be you know decorations get your siblings get your family get your children involved in ramadan you know for example my mother she, um, may Allah guide her, uh, isn't a born Muslim, uh, currently isn't Muslim. Um, but even so, when Ramadan comes around and I decorate, she gets excited. You know, she's not even someone who's born Muslim or celebrates or is a Muslim. You know, she will she will respect that we do it and she will follow along some things for our, for our sake. But because she's somebody who also originally loves to decorate and loves to make things beautiful, she will get involved in that. And that in itself is a small piece of da'wah for me that I've done to her that has allowed her to maybe find interest in Ramadan and Islam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah, I just wanted to add that because I definitely think that when those, even for myself as an adult, actually, I get excited about the decorations. Mm. And, you know, as much as I know a 24-year-old me, I'm a kid, a big kid, but I definitely enjoy it. And it makes me so excited and motivated to do the best I can during Ramadan and to to really appreciate it and, you know, learn to love this month. Um, 100%. It just shows that it's a different month. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Definitely. And it also allows our children to not feel left out when it comes to, you know, the celebrations that, you know, people in the country may celebrate. And I definitely think it's something I hope and pray that will protect my children from falling into celebrating the other things because they will be proud that they have a Ramadan and Eid to celebrate. And they will be proud to know that this is what I stand for and this is what I believe in and this is me. I am comfortable and I am grateful for this and I do not need other than what Allah has told me is, is halal for me, inshallah. Um, yeah. So definitely with that said, definitely, like I said, please go check out eatparty.co.uk. They have amazing range of 
different stuff um and you know everything you need for ramadan or Eid decorations they will have and their stuff is amazing and also it's things that you can reuse every year like they'll have wooden trays they'll have wooden decorations things that if you take care of you can use them year after year after year which is again very good for the environment and sustainable um, but what's your take so i'm curious to know your take on this because obviously you don't have any children and and mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not married yet may allah grant you a righteous spouse and a beautiful marriage i mean and righteous children inshallah and what is best mm-hmm. for you um but yeah well, what do you think about this because i know some people may some people can don't like the idea some people can be against it what is your take on you know making Ramadan special for the younger people or for everybody in general and decorating it's definitely it is a special month and definitely you have to show something that shows its significance mm. as long as as long as it's not an imitation recently we've mm-hmm. seen yes, uh, uh, an imitation of this, the yes an imitation of like the christmas tree but now ah, it's kind of made yes. in a moon kind of way mm-hmm, where is yeah. the uniqueness the reason why you are celebrating this is to show that i also have my own celebrations mm. how about you do it in your own way so mm. as long as it there's no imitation of the mm-hmm. non-believers and the other celebrations that have uh, what is it called kufur and shirk, shirk, shirk to them then it's completely fine uh, for for us here we didn't we, Ramadan was never but Eid I remember growing up Eid was the day where everything is changed the house used to be decorated Aww. different things used to be baked but it brings such a beautiful memory doesn't it it brings it such a sweet ch- memory yes. And it yes, makes you feel instantly it, happy and warm. And I want that for my children. I want them to have I, those memories. I remember even if I was sick, but mm-hmm. there's decoration for Eid going on and we're going for Eid shopping, the decorations for the house, I would definitely be fine. And I would exactly. it. It just, used to, I used to love the decorations of Eid. I still love them. We still aww. do them. Alhamdulillah. So it does change and it does affect your mood and mm. it does add on to it. And growing up, it actually makes you feel like I also have this. Mm. So Allah has made this a celebration for us. So we celebrate it the way we enjoy most as long as we are not crossing the boundaries of Allah mm-hmm. Azza and we're not imitating any celebration that goes against our deen. Definitely. That's definitely. something I would do, mm-hmm. inshallah. I'm thinking that is definitely something I would like to incorporate because the children children do see, children mm. watch, children compare, and you want them to feel like Islam has also given me this. It does. Mm. You don't want them to grow up thinking that Islam is restricting them. Mm-hmm. It's just rules you and restrictions, definitely. Grow, yes. You want them to grow up thinking and loving their religion you want them to come from a love perspective you Mm. want them to come proud something that they are going to be proud of yes you might have this but i also have this allah Mm. has given me this but when you're constantly just folk giving rules upon rules and upon rules and the the celebration that allah has placed out there for us the days that allah has allowed us to celebrate you're not actually putting in the excitement and the enthusiasm because at the end of the day these are children they also want to have fun they also want mm, exactly, to you know yeah. enjoy exactly so if definitely. you're not incorporating these things and you're not incorporating love and you're not coming from a perspective of instilling love in their hearts growing up you're going to struggle they're going to struggle with their faith they're Definitely. going to struggle with not knowing both they're not going to feel connected to it as well they're going yes. to feel very disconnected and they're probably going to feel very bitter because they're going to feel like all this religion is is rules and negativity and that's not Definitely. what you want for your children you know 
Definitely. So there are things that do not go against the teachings of Islam. Mm-hmm. And those things, if they are adding, like this case, they are adding to the excitement of the children going, growing up in their religion. Why mm. not? Why not? So mm. love is the strongest emotion. And you want your children to grow up having love for their religion, not them having a uh, feeling like they are restricted. Mm. or feeling Because Islam has both. definitely there has to be a balance definitely yes and regulation so always have that balance balance of the mercy of allah and balance of being aware of the wrath of allah Mm. so this is from the mercy of allah having a break we're not even allowed to fast during eid Mm. we're not allowed ramadan is a unique month that we are supposed to be welcoming in the best way possible Mm -hmm. these are from the mercy of allah this is allah facilitating for us as well knowing that as humans we also like to enjoy life as much as we can so why not take advantage of it definitely i also so last year when or I, th- i think it was the year before because he went he had a gap between nursery where he didn't go because of lockdown but there was a year when he first started nursery um and you know they they do because it's obviously a private nursery and i don't have any islamic institutes near me of course it's a it's it's not a, a religious nursery it's just a nursery that celebrate all faiths and all celebrations um and i you know when uh Suleiman entered they asked you the specific things that you don't want your children to do and one of them was i said I don't want him celebrating anything that isn't in Islam or that is against our religion. And I'm not sure. I think Suleiman is the only Muslim in his nursery. Um, so they were they were a bit like, okay, so what can we do? What can't we do kind of thing? And I remember them, uh, you know, coming to me near the time of Ramadan and saying, oh, um, it should be Ramadan soon, right? And I was like, yes, it should be. They were like, oh, you know, we would love if you could give us some knowledge on Ramadan or you could give us some activity ideas with the children so we can teach them about it and look at that just through you know having that conversation and for me making them aware that you know my children don't celebrate Christmas my children don't celebrate Diwali my children don't celebrate XYZ however they celebrate Eid Eid is when I allow them to go all out do decorations activities arts and crafts all of it because it's halal for them Um, and I remember saying to them, okay. And I went back home and I said, and I showed them pictures of how I decorate the home and what I do. And then I also um, told them, you know what you could do for, for Eid? You could get, uh, you know, uh, an outcutting of a sheep and get the children to decorate the sheep or get, you know, cotton bud and put the, the cotton bud or the cotton wool, sorry, on the sheep. So it looks like a sheep and stuff like this. Um, so they understand that, you know, we have Eid where, you know, we, we slaughter a sheep and, you know, this is why. And that's why. And it was really interesting because they were learning and they were also getting children, you know, children who are as young as Suleiman, who without knowing already have that fitrah. already have the inclination to islam but obviously depending on where they've been brought up they you know they've been taught otherwise and like i said mm. anything can be dawa like i said just the example of my mother she's not a practicing you know she's not a muslim sorry she has um, grown up with us doing ramadan but ever since having my children she herself in her home will do Eid presents now. Like she has a whole corner of just Eid presents for my kids because she knows they don't do birthdays they don't do uh, uh christmas they don't do all halloween they don't do all these you know Uh, pagan uh, celebrations so uh, and you know non-islamic celebrations so she gets excited for ramadan for them and it, it opens it allows me to open a discussion with her to then give her more da'wah inshallah and also for my brother i have a, an older brother james who's an atheist so please do keep him in your da'wah may allah grant him um hidayah i mean and his 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 And, it, you know, these things allow us to open up conversations because a lot of the time, you know, we find that non-Muslims, when they look 
into Islam or when they hear about Islam, the first thing that they think of is oppression or restriction. Um, so when they see that we have these beautiful celebrations that allow us to have fun, you know, a lot of the time when I speak to non-Muslims or family members in my in my uh, family, the first thing they think of is restriction, um, rules, boring, um, oppression. And through me, you know, and I know it's a small thing and I'm making a big deal of it, mm-hmm. but through me making, a, you know, a, a extra effort into decorating the house or making the atmosphere beautiful, it then allows me to open up a discussion and say, look, our religion may not allow us to do this and this, but we're allowed to do this. And look at how beautiful this is and look at how happy and fulfilled we are just from this. So, yeah, definitely, I think if you can take anything from this is try to make the extra effort, go the extra mile to make Ramadan special for your family. Um, and inshallah, also make the intention and make da'a that somehow that that little bit of you making extra effort, extra effort is a form of da'wah for others, for your neighbors, for friends, for family. You know, even if it's Muslim family members who aren't practicing, maybe them seeing you get so excited decorating and preparing may make them think, you know what? I would love to prepare myself for next Ramadan. Let me do the same. That looks fun. I want to join in. So inshallah, khair, you know, may Allah allow inshallah. us. Allahumma amin. Definitely, definitely. That is a very, very important point. And as you said, you say it's a small thing, but you never know. It's 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 the small things that sometimes make the biggest impact. Mm, uh, upon you is to make the efforts and the rest is upon Allah. Just make sure definitely. you do it with the right intention. Definitely, inshallah. Well, alhamdulillah, I think uh, that is it. I think we should uh, end the podcast here, inshallah. It's been an absolute pleasure having you Dara. you're always a pleasure and i know there's going to be bi'idhnillah if you're free for us and you you're available for us many more episodes with you bi'idhnillah ta'ala may allah bless you abundantly ameen ya rab ameen jazakillahu khayran jazakillahu khayran for having me on this lovely rich platform that is full of benefits and amazing sisters amongst them being the amazing amina as a host Jazakallah khairan for having It was a true honor for me to be a guest on here And I would definitely love to be on it much more Jazakallah khairan for inviting me once again Wallahi I love you for the sake of Allah I love you for the sake of Allah as well May Allah shade us under his shade on the day May we be neighbors in Jannah Ameen ya Rabbi Allahumma Ameen Ameen Okay so I guess before we get too emotional And you know go And we're both softies you know I know we're so we're literally we're literally each other's twins subhanallah we're just so exactly. softy before before this ends into with a crying session yeah with the, exactly <laughs> uh, yeah and we confess our love to each other constantly okay um inshallah I really <laughs> I really hope that you guys have benefited from this amazing episode inshallah may Allah allow us to welcome Ramadan with an open heart purified intentions and may we benefit as much as we can inshallah ameen ya rab with that said um like i said please check out aidparty.co.uk they are the sponsor for this episode or they have sent me their products to um let you guys know about but um definitely inshallah that said assalamu alaikum nadira please forgive me for taking up so much of your time you have been amazing uh it was an absolute honor